It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, December 6th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KVMR Evening News. A special investigation on tonight's The California Report. A look at gun control enforcement. Despite its restrictive gun control laws, California has widely been failing to disarm domestic abusers. Then, in National Native News, a new bill looks to include Native American history and culture in California school curriculum. We'll hear from the California News Report before turning our attention to regional headlines and weather. We close tonight's newscast with a special commentary from Shirley Frerichs, just in time for the holiday season. This is the California Report. I'm Leslie McClurg in San Francisco. A vaccine mandate for all students 16 and older in San Diego Unified School District can move forward. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in a two-to-one decision over the weekend. Judges had decided more than a week ago that the order would remain in place as long as the district continued to allow exemptions for pregnant students. But the district has since lifted that condition. The family of a 16-year-old has sued the district, claiming the vaccine mandate violates her religious beliefs. Attorneys for the family say they plan to appeal the decision to the U.S. Supreme Court. Under the district's policy, students must be fully vaccinated by December 20th, and anyone who isn't will be required to take part in remote learning. California has distributed rent relief to less than a third of the 400,000 people who have applied to its assistance program. KQED's Kate Wolf reports. As the eviction moratorium came to a close this fall, the state encouraged anyone who had outstanding rent payments to apply for rental assistance to stave off an eviction. But months later, hundreds of thousands of tenants and landlords are still waiting on help from the state. Deborah Carlton is with the California Apartment Association and says long-pending applications are frustrating for landlords with expenses of their own. We're seeing cases where the application just shows submitted and being processed, but it's taking too long. A spokesman for the state maintains that the agency is turning around most applications in 30 days, but they get different priority based on tenant income, and the process can be slowed down by incomplete forms. For the California Report, I'm Kate Wolf. A warning about this next story. It contains some disturbing descriptions of domestic violence. California, the state with arguably the toughest gun control laws in the country, often struggles to enforce those laws. A new investigation from CalMatters finds the state has failed to take guns away from thousands of domestic abusers. And those failures can have deadly consequences. CalMatters' Robert Lewis reports. Kelly Gray's mom knew something was wrong. Kelly had grown distant after meeting her husband. But when she did reach out, like in this 2018 voicemail, she tried to sound normal. Hey, Mama, I was giving you a call back and wanted to say hi and tell you love that we're about to get on and get something to eat. But um, uh, everything's good. I haven't had the baby yet, so I will talk to you soon, though. I'll let you know. All right, love you. Bye. What Kelly's family didn't know was that her husband was keeping her a virtual prisoner in their Central Valley home beating her with anything he could grab, a fire poker, steel-toed boots, even a hairbrush. Shortly after that voicemail, he allegedly drove her into the orchards outside town, kneeled her down, and put a gun to her head, ordering Callie to say goodbye to the kids. Her mother, Jody Williams, says they learned just how bad it was when Callie escaped to a shelter last year. 
I mean, you close your eyes and you think about what she had to have gone through and, you know, home alone in the dark with him. You know, that's... That's nasty. Kelly got a temporary domestic violence restraining order from the Madera County Family Court. State law requires anyone who is the subject of such orders to surrender their firearms. That's because research shows abuse is much more likely to turn deadly when the abuser has a gun. Kelly told the court that her husband was always armed. She mentioned the orchard incident. But what Kelly probably didn't know when she begged for protection was that California's family courts and law enforcement often fail to take weapons away. This has been going on, of course, far too long because too many lives have been lost and we know what needs to be done. Julia Weber is with the Giffords Law Center, a gun control organization. She says judges can hold hearings on guns. They can hold an abuser in contempt if they don't surrender their firearms. California is looked to as a state that has the right policies, the best policies, the safest policies with respect to firearms and domestic violence in place. But she says the state's failing to live up to those laws. And the reasons are myriad. Turnover among judges, not enough resources for extra hearings, lack of communication with local law enforcement. The result is that state records show nearly 4,600 people appear to still have a gun, despite being the subject of a restraining order. And those are just the people with registered weapons. Tragically, we know that these policies are not being fully implemented. At a June 2020 hearing on Callie's restraining order request, a judge ordered her husband, Julio Gray, to stay away. But in spite of all her warnings about his gun, warnings included in her case file, the judge asked just one question about firearms. Quote, Sir, there's no information that you have any guns or firearms or ammunition. Do you think you have any of these items? Julio's reply, no. Good morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. I appreciate uh, you folks being prompt. The tragic story uh, and, uh, of Callie Gray culminated in this same Madera County courthouse a few weeks ago when Julio Gray went on trial for her murder. On July 14th last year, he stalked Callie to a doctor's appointment and shot her when she came out as she was loading their kids into a minivan. The loss devastated her family, who hoped she'll be remembered as a sweet soul who died protecting her children. Again, Callie's mom. She made me happy. I love being her mama. I love being her mama. The jury found Julio guilty. He was sentenced last month to life without parole. After the verdict, the judge read aloud another standard court order, telling Julio if he had any guns, he'd need to surrender them. For The California Report, I'm Robert Lewis. Wow. To read the full investigation into California's failure to disarm domestic abusers, go to calmatters.org. Support for the California Report comes from Real California Milk, reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at RecycleTheJug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com. 
and the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org/health-equity. And that's the California Report for Monday, December 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Leslie McClurg in San Francisco. Thanks for listening. In today's National Native News, California Assemblymember James Ramos has introduced the California Indian Education Act in the state legislature. The bill calls for curriculum in public schools to include Native American history and culture to increase knowledge about California tribes and their impacts. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Biden administration's infrastructure bill has a number of key investments for Indian country, including broadband connectivity. A tribal educator in Nevada says broadband access is desperately needed in her community. Suzanne Potter has more. Lynn Manning-John, vice principal of the Owyhee Combined School on the Duck Valley Indian Reservation, says her community desperately needs better coverage and more bandwidth. In the building, we struggle with the internet going out regularly because the kids are on Chromebooks and because of our location, which is 100 miles from Elko, it sometimes takes us a day or two to get our internet back up. She says the area only has a single cell tower and 90% of families have no internet service at home. Rural areas often lack communication infrastructure because the customer base is too small to provide a return on the telecom company's investment. Manning John says the future of her community, part of the Shoshone Paiute tribe, depends on better broadband. It cannot be left up to the market. These kids have a need. Internet is just as essential as indoor plumbing and electricity. It needs to be provided on the scale that we do any type of public service. I'm Suzanne Potter. California Assemblymember James Ramos hosted a discussion Friday with tribal leaders, educators, and students concerning California Indian education. Ramos talked about the need for public schools to teach California Native American history. A bill he introduced in the legislature calls for state curriculum to include Native American history and culture to increase knowledge about California tribes and their impacts. Here's Ramos commenting on his bill during Friday's event in Palm Desert, which was streamed online. Working together um, as one body, moving together in a coalition, we're going to be able to make a change in the state of California. We have an opportunity as California Indian people, through myself as being the first California Indian elected in the state legislature, to push a bill, AB 1554, and it's called the California Indian Education Act, that's going to start to focus on California's first people. But it starts with our elders and and those that have had vision to move forward um, with education and teaching the people who we truly are as Californian people. Ramos says education about Native Americans can help correct ignorance and bias in educational systems. He gave an update on a meeting he had last month with the Riverside Unified School District. The meeting was held after a video went viral of a teacher in the school district mocking Native American dance and wearing a faux headdress to teach math concepts. According to Ramos, the district is working on curriculum and policy for Native American education and is moving to create a local task force with tribes. Ramos also advocated for California Indian Nations College to receive federal accreditation. 
The St. Regis Mohawk Tribe in New York is teaming up with a local church and charitable organization to help bring food boxes to the community. The tribe and the Mohawk Assembly of God will distribute boxes next week. More than 1,500 boxes will include fresh foods like milk, yogurt, fruits, and vegetables. The food boxes are sponsored by the tribe, the church, and in collaboration with CityServe and Rural Compassion. Alaska's largest statewide Native organization is gearing up for its annual convention. The Alaska Federation of Natives event will take place next week virtually due to COVID-19 health and safety concerns. The AFN is recognizing 50 years from the passage and implementation of the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act. Discussions will explore the law and its impacts. The agenda also includes a number of priorities from health care, hunting and fishing rights to infrastructure needs. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. There are now booster recommendations for all three available COVID-19 vaccines in the United States, and you may choose which booster shot you receive. More info at aaip.org or cdc.gov slash coronavirus who support this show. Support by the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center, dedicated to cancer research, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous populations. A no-charge online risk assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org slash assessme. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. We generally think of California as one of the most eco-conscious states, but this doesn't appear to always be the case. Up next, California News Service's Suzanne Potter explains how the state is not helping its environmentally friendly image when it comes to oil refineries. California-based facilities are refining half of all the oil drilled in the Amazon rainforests, according to a report released Thursday by the groups Amazon Watch and Stand.Earth. Now, organizations that fight climate change are calling on Governor Gavin Newsom to end oil imports from the Amazon region. Los Angeles City Council member Paul Coretz says California should not be a party to the destruction of a region that sequesters a huge amount of carbon and circulates 20 percent of the world's oxygen. As the Amazon is being logged, burned and drilled and converted to other land uses, we're losing more and more of it. And at some point, uh, it, it could cause climate change to be impossible to reverse. At the recent climate conference in Glasgow, Scotland, California joined the Beyond Oil and Gas Alliance, an organization committed to an oil-free future. On Earth Day this year, the governor committed to end fracking in the state by 2024 and all oil production by 2045. In October, Newsom proposed a 3,200-foot buffer zone for all new wells near residential neighborhoods. The oil industry claims these moves will cost the state jobs and tax revenue. The group elected officials to protect America is circulating an online petition asking the governor to phase out oil production even faster and commit the state to 100 percent clean energy in all sectors. Dominic Frangillo, the group's executive director, says the state must defeat its oil addiction. California can ramp down production, increase use of clean cars, phase out oil drilling locally and aggressively invest in a transition to clean energy. We won't need that oil. 
According to Greenpeace, the Amazon basin sequesters 100 billion metric tons of carbon, more than 10 times the amount of global emissions from fossil fuels. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. In today's regional news, Nevada County Public Health reports 93 new confirmed COVID-19 cases. Out of 9,817 cases since the start of the pandemic, 221 are active. 12 people are hospitalized. Four are in the ICU. During Friday's newscast, we spoke about guidelines for burn piles from the Northern Sierra Air Quality Management District. We mentioned the district encourages people to find alternatives to open burning for vegetation disposal. Although open burning is cost-effective and time-efficient, chipping, composting, hauling, and curbside green waste pickup help protect air quality standards. This Saturday, December 11th, Nevada County residents will be provided with a burn pile alternative. A green waste event will take place in the Madeline Helling Library parking lot from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Be sure to bring your ID to verify you reside within city limits. And please, no poison oak or blackberries. Nevada County prosecutors filed murder charges against a Sacramento County man accused of driving drunk in a crash that killed four members of a North Highlands family on their way to Thanksgiving vacation. The early morning crash occurred in the eastbound lanes of I-80 near Eagle Lakes Road in Nevada County. On November 22nd, the Nevada County District Attorney's Office filed a criminal complaint against the driver, Michael Scott Kelly, charging him with gross vehicular manslaughter while intoxicated. Prosecutors then filed an amended complaint, charging Kelly with four counts of murder and one count of gross vehicular manslaughter while intoxicated, according to Nevada Superior Court records. Jesse Wilson announced his candidacy for District Attorney of Nevada County in an open letter today. He says he seeks to retain his current position as DA in the impending June 7th election. In the statement, he also disclosed the creation of, quote, Nevada County's first-ever Project LEAD. Prosecutors from our office, alongside law enforcement officials, will partner with fifth-grade classes to provide a law-related education program, end quote. The program is slated to begin this January. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. The National Weather Service out of Sacramento forecasts multiple inches of mountain snow early Thursday, mainly above 5,000 feet, lowering snow levels throughout the day Thursday with snow down to 3,500 feet. Temperatures will dip, lows in the upper 20s and mid-30s in the valley and foothills, with single digits to teens in the mountains. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, Cloudy with a low around 41, new precipitation amounts to less than a tenth of an inch. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 61. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, rain likely before 10 p.m., with chances of both rain and snow. Mostly cloudy with a low around 28. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 47. The National Weather Service has issued a special weather statement for the Truckee-Tahoe area. A weak weather system brings light snowfall accumulations up to a few inches for higher elevations of the Sierra near I-80. This could produce slick driving conditions for passes around the Sierra and on Highway 395. Snowfall is possible for all elevations this Thursday with much colder temperatures into next weekend. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, a 30% chance of showers mainly before 10 p.m. with a low around 46. Tomorrow, cloudy through mid-morning, then gradually clearing with a high near 60. 
I'm not going to lie, getting and gifting presents is an exciting feature of the holiday season. However, so often many of the things we receive or give end up contributing to our overflowing landfills. Up ahead, Shirley Frerichs provides commentary on environmentally thoughtful methods of gifting that will be a present to the environment as well as your loved ones. Shirley lives in Grass Valley and is part of the Waste Not Citizens Committee working on recycling and plastic reduction. Waste Not is part of the Bigger Nevada County Climate Action Now organization. This Christmas is a good time to start going single-use plastic-free. One of the big announcements at COP26 was the Global Methane Pledge to reduce emissions 30% by 2030. Plastics in the landfill are one of the major contributors to methane as they break down, and that makes greenhouse gases, which contributes to global warming. We as consumers can help reach this goal by not buying much plastic in the first place and by reusing what we have. Start with gift buying. Giving the gift of you and shared experiences is as plastic-free as it gets. Have fun. Go someplace together. You know, or gift your time and service to another. Give the planting of a tree. Tree Sisters is a local and UK organization that plants trees while also putting people to work. Many more organizations online do this. Plastic-free gift baskets can be fun to make, like one with shampoo and bar form, laundry detergent and small flat leaves from True Earth that replace those giant plastic jugs, bamboo paper towels that can be washed and reused, even bamboo toothbrushes. A gift certificate could be the best option, rather than doing something that might just get thrown away into the landfill. There are plenty of non-plastic ideas around town locally when you look for them. If you cannot find just the right thing locally, look online for package-free goods to see the new companies with lots of familiar products without the plastic packaging. Going plastic-free can also save money. Consider one statistic that estimates an average of 9% of the amount paid for a product is in the cost of packaging. Give a refillable gift from the new refilleries in Nevada City, Auburn, Roseville, and Sacramento or you can take your own container to fill with any number of goodies. Going single-use plastic-free just takes a small change of mind that will greatly help to reduce trash that could produce methane in the landfill. Have a wonderful holiday for yourself and for the Earth. The views expressed on this show are those of the speakers only and are not necessarily those of KVMR, our board, staff, volunteers, or contributors. That's our newscast for this Monday, December 6th. If you ever miss a part of an interview or want to listen to something a second time that caught your interest, you can always listen to the full extended versions of our stories and interviews on our website at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR gets support from the Center for the Arts, presenting the annual Holiday Makers Mart, December 18th and 19th for last-minute shopping needs. More information for upcoming events at thecenterforthearts.org. And Simply Country, family-owned farm and feed stores since 1964. Carrying organic feed, alfalfa, and supplies. Also food for farm animals and pets, from parakeets to horses. In Grass Valley and Penn Valley, simplycountry.net. Stick around. At 6.30, we have Disability Wrap. Carl Sigmund talks with Amy Medeiros. 
the Executive Director of Neighborhood Center of the Arts, a nonprofit in Nevada City that supports people with intellectual and developmental disabilities to make and sell art. Amy tells us how Neighborhood Center has been supporting their artists remotely through the pandemic and shares her vision for the center going forward. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.